Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Yes, everybody. What would your life be like if you knew you could not fail? That's a question that I ask myself every day. Why? Because I think we teeter on the edge of failure. And you know what that means? That means we are teetering on the edge of success. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. I am your host for this evening or this show, and that is all about thriving. This is the Dr. Pat Show, and I'm your host, Dr. Pat Vasily. And we love, love, love reaching out to you. We're so thrilled to, you know, have CBS as part of our expansion and to add to the already 14 hours of live radio that we do. What a great time we're having. We've got a great show for you tonight, and I will tell you what it is about. It's about a topic that is so near and dear to my heart. And that means that many of us, many of us understand what it's like to be in the workplace these days and to be in that workplace and be surrounded by bosses that we either can't stand or that can't stand us. You know, I go back in time to think about the research that I did here for my dissertation. We're going to talk about that and to talk about why why the bad boss is still working in the jobs that the bad boss is working in. And more importantly, why is it they're getting a raise? Tonight, Andrew O'Keefe is going to be joining us. And good day. It's probably daytime for some of you that listen to the show. Uh, Andrew O'Keefe is joining us here today because he took this topic on. He took on the topic of bad bosses. And so he wrote the book, The Boss. He's been observing bosses for many years. He's worked for bosses, and he's been a boss. As a senior human resource executive, Andrew O'Keefe has worked closely with a range of bosses in diverse companies over his 25-year career. He's worked for IBM, Cable and Wireless, Ewart Associates, and many other companies. Early in his career, he worked in industrial relations in the mining and manufacturing industries. Now, just so you know a little bit about Andrew, he grew up in Broken Hill, Australia, studied economics, industrial relations, and psychology at the University of Sydney. He lives in Sydney today, and we're hoping we're going to get him on the old line. Uh, Ivan is doing his super-duper amazing best to make that happen. You know, he speaks uh, at conferences. He speaks on the subject of leadership. In October uh, last year, Um, when Dr. Jane Goodall uh, toured Australia and New Zealand. Dr. Goodall and Andrew joined together to speak to business audiences about leadership lessons from our hardwired instincts. In December, Andrew's, uh, you know, in December this year, Andrew will speak at a conference that features His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And so he's joining us here today. And while writing The Boss, Andrew talked to large numbers of people. Almost everyone had their own boss story to tell. And people always told their stories with emotion, anger, frustration, hurt, despair, 
amazement, joy, humor. Some of those stories provided content for the book, and there was plenty of material. And so today, Andrew is joining us again because I asked him if he would come back to talk about integrity. And what I mean by that is integrity in the workplace, integrity not only in our bosses, but in what we do in the workplace. And so today, we're going to talk about bad bosses. Now, let me tell you why this is near and dear to me. Many of you that know me and the Dr. Pat Show, and if you don't, you can go to the website, www.thedrpatshow.com, T-H-E-D-R, patshow.com, or drpatlive.com, drpatlive.com. And when you do, check out the story under Dr. Pat Basile in the drop-down bar, And check out my story, because you will get a sense of what it means to be in in, in the throes of a career and wake up one day and find out that it is literally all gone. Now, how does that happen? You know, is that a blessing? Is that turmoil? Is that a dilemma? What is that? And what do you do with a situation like that? How do you pick yourself up? But I want to say something that I don't know that I've ever said before. You know, we're coming up on what is known for us is, a, is one, of, one of the most important national holidays we have, Independence Day. And yet, many of you, and you know what I'm talking about, and we're, we're going we're gonna to get your calls tonight. Many of you feel completely imprisoned by your work situations. And I know many of you are saying, okay, yeah, Dr. Pat, sure. You, you know, the economy is bad. What are you expecting me to do? Are you expecting me to just turn around and, and walk away from my job? Well, I don't know that I'm expecting you to say that. But I guess my question or the question that I do have is, what's your pain threshold? You know, how much emotional pain are you willing to take? And so my interest, and so Andrew's interest, is to shine the light on the bad boss syndrome, as, as I know it. And he's joining me here today because we are opening up the pathway in the doorway to have each and every one of you join us in conversation, not only about bad bosses, but bad bosses without integrity. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us here today. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Thanks very much, Dr. Pat. I'm glad you can make it today. I'm glad that this is something that is working out for you. You know, bad bosses is, you know, something that I don't think many people are, are shy about. But most importantly, you know, what, is, what does that mean to you, and why, why did you take this on? Yeah, so um, I took it on because uh, so many people were sharing with me, uh, given really my background as a human resources executive in a range of companies, that people would share with me um, their experience to do with work, and in particular, the, the single theme that was threaded through those discussions was the relationship they had with their boss and that that relationship is absolutely emotional. If you ask people about their boss, you'll get an answer. 
positive or negative, uh, and it's very much about the emotion that's attached to that relationship. You know, so part of this conversation then for you, Andrew, is, you know, tapping into the situation about not only bad bosses, but i got to ask you, I mean, how can bad bosses lead groups of people to excellence? I mean, is it possible? Uh, no, no, it's not, it's not possible, and, and that's one of the calls for individuals as well as organisations and, and, um, and staff members to really address this as a, as a fundamental organisational issue, that the bad, the bad bosses can't deliver high performance uh, because they sap people's energy and they cause people to be, to be frightened and insecure and, and lacking confidence and... Uh, looking after oneself, uh, the triggers of self-protection, all, all that's at play uh, when our bosses in our organisation are um, sapping people's energy or, or, yeah, this bad boss syndrome. You know, and, and, and there aren't many people talking about this now, so, you know, let's kind of, you know, let's kind of bring us up to current uh, events. You, you know, we're going to be taking a break here in a minute, but, but let's, just, let's just say this before we go to break, and that is, we have become silent. It's almost as if employees across the globe have put on a muzzle on themselves, and that muzzle is layered in fear. And we're going to talk about that. My very special guest tonight, Andrew O'Keefe, joining us here today. We're talking about bad bosses and bad bosses being the blight on American businesses. Why don't they fire my crappy boss, part two? And we'd love to take your calls. So if you're listening to the show and you want to chime in or you want to give us your comment, 877-CHAT-212. That's the number toll free, 877-CHAT-212. And... I'm like Andrew. I've been both a boss and I've been both an employee. And I've got sad stories to tell on each side of that. Why don't we take a short break when we come back. More with the Dr. Pat Show and talk radio to thrive by. Hi, this is Anna Luque, author of The Yogurt Diet. Based on scientific research, this lifestyle has been carefully formulated to promote weight loss and boost the immune system. The Yogurt Diet will help you achieve overall balance and radiant health, even if you suffer from lactose and gluten intolerance, yeast infections, digestive problems, and more. Consuming yogurt daily is an excellent way to optimum health and ideal weight. And the yogurt I recommend is Greek God's Greek Yogurt. So thick and creamy. Greek God's yogurt is simply yogurtlicious. Greek God's yogurt is full of probiotic bacteria, good for overall health. And it's made with all natural ingredients in the same tradition yogurt has been made in Greece for centuries. Try the Greek God's popular honey yogurt or the tangy yet subtly sweet pomegranate. Don't forget to try the new Greek God's kefir cheese spread. Great for dips or as a healthy substitute for sour cream. Be happy. Go Greek. Experience the myth. Margaret McElroy is an internationally recognized psychic, medium, and gifted spiritual teacher graduating hundreds of students from five continents, a popular magazine and newspaper clairvoyant from nearly a dozen publishing houses. She's authored eight books and hosted syndicated radio shows on over 30 stations around the world. Margaret says there's never been such a thirst for metaphysical knowledge. Check out her website at margaretmcelroy.com. That's margaret, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y, dot com. Perf Go Green. Biodegradable by nature, green by choice. 
Traditional trash bags stay in our landfills and pollute the earth for over 800 years or more. Perfco Green trash bags disappear naturally within two years and leave nothing harmful behind. Convert your home, school, and business to Perfco Green. Now available at Walgreens, Amazon.com, OfficeMax, and other local stores. Visit PerfgoGreen.com. That's P-E-R-F-GoGreen.com. Now streaming live on your computer, an internet radio channel focused on the things that matter to you. It's called Chat About It, and you can find it at chataboutit.com. Chat About It is home to your new favorite internet radio station with shows focused on topics that affect your life. Listen to programs on politics, gardening, golf, and comedy, and then chat about it. Just go to chataboutit.com, click on the audio player, and start listening today. Chat About It at work, at home, or on your mobile device. Chat About It all at chataboutit.com. everybody welcome back to the dr pat show this is talk radio to thrive by hey i'm so thrilled andrew o'keefe can join us today to talk about something he's passionate about bad bosses and you know andrew thank you so much for joining us here today it's a big conversation and i would love for you to give us a little background before we get into a lot of the detail about this but you know kind of get into a little background the corporate leadership council and the 23 job factors that cause a person to stay or leave i mean why if there are so many bad bosses do we still hang in there Yes, yeah, so just uh, in terms of some statistics here, yeah, that research by Corporate Leadership Council, what's the one factor that most drives engagement and decisions by people to stay is to do with the relationship with your immediate manager. And another uh, survey found that 80% of people who resign from their jobs do so because of an unsatisfactory relationship with their immediate boss. But the reason um, that... Um, that we, we, we have this problem that is that, it, that it's not, not being addressed is um, two, two things. One, that bosses can become very good at managing up. So they do what they need to do to look good in the eyes of senior executives. And um, despite all the odds, sometimes uh, people get promoted uh, and they become much better at managing up than managing down and looking after their own people. And then, then secondly, has to do with uh, culture that the most senior executives are, are establishing? What, what are the behaviours and outcomes that they most want to see uh, through the leaders mm-hmm. in their organisation? And there's a lot of self-interest uh, that comes into play for, for senior executives in making those decisions. And that, 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 that's what allows um, a lot of poor managers that aren't adding energy to their people to survive. We've got a couple of folks from our chat line that are chiming in here, and I, I, I actually want to, you know, mention a couple of these because, you know, this may be said in jest, but honestly, I want to talk about it. You know, one of the folks says that uh, bad bosses have talent too. They're good at being bad. And, and even though that might have been said, said maybe kind of jokingly, this is really a talent. I mean, you have to become programmed in your own psyche to actually come in and, and and really be classified as a bad boss. But I, I honestly want to ask you, Andrew, about this because you know my research, and I've done studies about psychological contracts. Managers are in the middle, or better yet, in the muddle. We don't have the old rules anymore where people are more or less protected. They're getting 
you know, pressured from the top, and employees expect more now from supervisors than they ever had, you know, in the past. How do how do we address this at all? Can we address it? Oh, definitely, we can address it. And just to the point that that that's a talent in itself. Um, uh, I don't think many bosses uh, set out each day to come to work to. Uh, create confusion and, and sap people's energy. I don't, I don't think, uh, I mean, there are a few toxic or psychotic bosses around, but that, that's really the exception, uh, and it doesn't, doesn't explain the chronic condition. But, but uh, the bosses, yeah, find it hard themselves. And in terms of what, what can be done, the organisational effort is that, that there needs to be at least four things that organisations can do to, to make the difference. One is to be very careful in the selection of people they appoint in management jobs. There's some managers, there's some people who should never be appointed to management. Secondly, to provide them good people management tools. Thirdly, to, 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 to invest in the education of, of leaders, that, that it is the most complex part of a manager's job, this looking after people. It's a complex, unpredictable topic, and it's one that managers are least prepared for out of the whole range of their responsibilities. And then fourthly is to hold managers accountable for, for being effective bosses. And, and this is one where, where senior executives can really attend to it. The, the question I ask in terms of, yeah, is it a talent to be a bad boss and what can organisations do about it, is, is to ask or answer this question, what would a manager need to do in your organisation to be moved out of their role? And in many organisations the answer is, if I messed up on the business results such as sales, or delivery, um, and those people who do exceptionally well at sales or delivery can be allowed to get away with all sorts of um, poor treatment of their own people, whereas the best organisations answer the question by saying that the reason a manager would be moved out of their job is if they messed up on their people responsibilities. And in that culture, many of these managers who might otherwise have a talent for being poor managers in other organisations can become very decent managers. And, you know, part of this, and, and this is really kind of what we're talking about today, is that there's something that there's a new form of conditioning happening in organizations, Andrew. And and I, I saw this myself, and and then I went on to study it and actually used my, my research as therapy, so to speak. And, you know, what I'm trying to say is that, we're actually learning, whether we want to or not, as managers, as bosses, we're learning how to be less than effective. So let's not even say we're learning how to be bad, but we are truly learning. And, you know, whether we're learning because we go to class or whether we're learning because we've become so layered with fear, we're still imprinting a behavior in the workplace. Don't you think, or am I off on this? Uh, certainly, um, yeah, a form of, of conditioning, which, which again is, is fairly cultural. I think people are, are very flexible and, um, yeah, to this sort of fear linked to self-interest, managers like the rest of us will tend to behave in ways in which serves their self-interest best. And self-interest, by the way, isn't just the mm-hmm. individual. It, it's their direct family members for which they have a life responsibility for. And so, yeah, self-interest, uh, it, can be, it can be a wonderful, but it can also be a derailing motivation. Uh, we, within an organisation, people certainly can become conditioned, which, which is then the question of, 
what, what, what conditioning or behavioural set do we want in our organisation? And that, that conditioning can be, it can be positive or, or it can be negative. Mm. You know, what, what are we really setting ourselves up for, Andrew? I know this is something that you're so passionate about. And, you know, the question then comes to mind, uh, you know, if we are, in fact, or if we have the workforce of bad bosses, and if it is truly affecting the bottom line of a company, what are we really getting ourselves into here, and how do we get out of it? Yeah, um, in terms of what we what we get in for, I think there's um, uh, there's been a great uh, social shift the last 15 years of, of massive investments in uh, pe- pension pension plans and retirement funds, which then um, it, it, which then generates a short-term focus of returns for organisations that puts enormous pressure on boards and senior executives of, of organisations. To, to deliver short-term quarterly results um, so that they r- retain uh, the, the funds and, and the support of, of analysts. Um, and so there's enormous pressure on, on organisations. It takes then, in terms of getting out of that, um, that syndrome, uh, strength at, at each level, but in particular the most senior level, of, of choosing uh, to adopt an alternative method which is more long-term and the basis on which long-term financial results as well as share price uh, can, can be enhanced. And so it is a terrible dilemma for the most powerful people in organisations, but one in which the best organisations attend to and do look after the long-term and, and that uh, if the long-term says we need to retain our people, we don't want 80% of our people leaving because of poor leadership, that we can invest uh, in leadership development, that we can choose to hold managers accountable, we can invest in surveys and engagement studies to know who are our best managers, who we can continue to grow and who are the worst managers in our organisation that we choose to know about and choose to do something about, which isn't necessarily to remove them but at least to to encourage and invest um, in, in their, at least give them an opportunity to improve their leadership skills, and many people do. And, you know, I think that we're kind of, you know, in this, let's call it, we're we're in this paradise period right now where we have some of our top employees, employees at all, to whatever degree of commitment an employee might have, but we have people sticking in organizations now far beyond they would ever, ever do in a different economy. Are Are we kind of setting ourselves up some organizations for a mass exodus when things start to get better, Andrew? Yeah, we, we, we could be. I think people, <laughs> um, people will probably detect uh, from my accent I'm, I'm um, not, not American. I'm, uh, I'm Australian, and um, the, the observation here with the Australian uh, economy, which, which is performing reasonably well, but, but we're still in recession, is um, that organizational leaders have taken greater care through this recession than the last recession in 91-92 and uh, are laying less people off, are more conscious about staff memory of what happens um, to, to the goodwill and the engagement and the energy of people during the downtimes. And so there's been, uh, and I, I hope to, I read it uh, in, in my hopeful fashion, 
mm-hmm. of organisational decision makers uh, not cutting so deeply and eroding staff goodwill this time around versus the lessons that we learned uh, previously uh, the last 15 previously. Years. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that when we come back. Not only are we going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about integrity. Yes, I've said the I word. We're going to take that down and tackle it. Is it dead? We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. The proceeding has been a paid program. All opinions expressed during the program are those of the hosts and participants. Performance Velocity brings you the breakthrough human performance formula. ETA equals R, where energy intelligence is the key competency for the successful business leader. Are you ready for this emerging trend? You can ignite leadership, accelerate execution, and deliver peak performance every time. Performance Velocity can help you, your management team, or your company. Call 303-744-2464. Human performance is their business. Visit performancevelocity.com and start getting results now. Are you living your life to the max? Is there anything you would like to change about how you feel or what you're experiencing? You can have anything you want, and empowerment psychic Linda Dickinson can show you the way. Living your life to the max is more than a catchphrase. It's what we intended when we came into this life. Empowerment psychic medium Linda Dickinson online at inmyfuture.com. For private sessions, call 800-206-9096. Live your life to the max. Can you imagine a world where noodles are calorie-free? For centuries, Japanese women have eaten these noodles. Now this Japanese Miracle Noodle is available in the United States at MiracleNoodle.com. As seen on ABC News, this noodle made only of soluble fiber has zero net carbs and zero calories. Imagine the possibilities. Now you know why it's called Miracle Noodle. Add noodles back into your diet guilt-free at MiracleNoodle.com. Is Egypt calling you? Join Dr. Friedemann Schaub and Danielle Rama Hoffman for an initiatory journey to Egypt, May 2010. Picture yourself meditating in the Great Pyramid, cruising down the Nile on a private sailing yacht, and exploring ancient temples in exclusive visits. For a journey that expands your consciousness and opens your heart, call 866-903-6463 or visit EgyptIsCalling.com. Chat About It is the new online internet radio station for listeners that share the same passions. Chataboutit.com is the place to get together and talk about a variety of topics. You'll find shows on politics, business, sports, and entertainment. Hear compelling live radio shows with the most passionate hosts from across the country. It's called Chat About It, and you can find us at chataboutit.com. Bookmark it now. When it's time to chat, go to chataboutit.com. The following is a paid program. All opinions expressed during the program are those of the host and its participants. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by Andrew O'Keefe joining us here today. And we're talking about bad bosses. And, you know, why, why, if they're so, why if they're so bad, why aren't they getting fired? But more importantly, what do each and every one of us 
need to know about this? Why is this important to Andrew O'Keefe? And what does it mean to building the foundation, um, a strong foundation for leadership in our country and in other countries? Andrew, thank you so much for joining the show today. Why don't we take a minute and give people information about your website so they can get a copy of the book and find out more about you? Yeah, thanks very much. Um, so the website is hardwiredhumans.com, Hardwired Humans. And, uh, yeah, the book, the book I wrote, which um, I'm very excited to connect with you, Dr. Pat, on, on the topic, is called The Boss, and it's a novel based on true stories about bosses. Um, it's the stories that um, I've observed or heard about or uh, people told me about, um, or, or the, and, and, of course, that I may well have experienced, um, woven together as a novel to cover this really important topic, which is how the relationship with our boss drives our satisfaction or lack of satisfaction at work. And if people are doing a search on me, Andrew O'Keefe, O'Keefe with two S, as in Georgia O'Keefe. So, you know, this is, uh, for me, this is an important conversation, and you and I have talked before um, you know, my, my area of interest was the psychological contract between employee and company. And, you know, my research focused on a contract that had never been researched before or hadn't been researched quite this way. And that is the agreements that we make, whether that's either the spoken agreements or the implied agreements we make with our immediate bosses. And that sort of, it, it now opens up a whole can of worms. If companies are no longer or people believe they're no longer obligated to provide the things that we need in order to be successful, then the buck is really stopping right smack dab in the middle of the boss's desk. And I wanted to ask you, is it realistic to believe that bosses can truly, can truly handle being stuck in the middle of so many wants, desires, and obligations? Yeah, it's a, it's a real challenge. Again, depending on, on the culture of the organisation, uh, which, which will bring us um, to, to level of personal integrity, um, that, that the conditions in which we're prepared to operate as individual bosses with, with the pressures that might be on us. And, um, yeah, how do we resolve some of those dilemmas? Uh, and and each, the resolution of each dilemma will be based on our own personal outlook and our own personal makeup. So, Andrew, let's, let's hit the I word for a minute. <laughs> let's hit the word integrity. It's probably one of the most used words on corporate mission statements than I think just about any other word. I think we've sort of dropped the trust word out these days. But integrity is still pretty hot. Where does this fit in the conversation? Is integrity for the company or are we really looking at what I call managerial integrity? Yeah, I think it's for um, the organisation, for, for leaders, that is, bosses and, and staff members, um, uh, integrity as in what, what are the sorts of behaviours or actions that we would be embarrassed about if um, we became a headline in tomorrow morning's newspaper? And uh, over what, what things do we hold sacred for which we're not prepared to compromise, uh, which will always come down to a personal uh, decision. And it fits in within this organisational discussion as to um, the norms in which we as organisations, organisational leaders, 
expect our people to operate and and, and what happens if, if there is uh, a contrary perspective on what we're asking individuals to do and whether for individual compromises their own personal standards and it, it's a terrible dilemma to be in and, and yeah let's have a discussion about what, what causes it and then what do you do. Well, and yeah, let's start with that. I, I think that for me, it became a huge, a huge conversation to try to get, like you, I interviewed lots of people, 1,200 pages of, uh, what did we call it, transcription, and people really had a lot to say. But integrity was, for me, redefined by the people that participated in, my, in, in the study I did. The question, though, is, you know, is this like for everyone? I don't know. But, but I wanted to ask you, I mean, isn't an organization that can be said to be of high integrity, is that important to flourish and nourish absolutely phenomenal success, employees, profits, whatever you want to say, or maybe it doesn't matter? Oh, it absolutely matters. Yeah, in, in the best organizations, those that have the highest energy and, and deliver the best results over a sustained period, you absolutely find a, a level of alignment, of integrity, of honesty throughout the organisation. And people proudly talk about it. One, one organisation I'm familiar with right now, uh, when you talk to people about what it, what's it like working here and what do you enjoy working here, that there's this alignment of values uh, with what people say and how they live and that their actions support their words, uh, such as, you know, we, we, we get a passion out of delivering to our customers and that we're treated as staff members in the same way that we expect our customers to be treated. So that, you know, it's an absolute integrity within the organisation based on it. It very much, let me say, always comes down to the, 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 the personal values of the most senior leaders. And so it is not uh, unreal, unrealistic to expect and want to have this. And, it certainly is a universal driver or dri desire that people, all of us, can work in an organisation which, which is which has high integrity and, and alignment of personal and corporate values. And one of the things that you know I, I think is really interesting when I you know did the study of best and worst bosses, um, you know I, I dared to use the word integrity. And what we found was that the people, you know, the, the, the people that responded reported that integrity as an obligation and as a consequence in, you know, in the form of reduced belief in integrity, me meaning that if you don't have integrity, that's a contract breaker. If you don't have integrity or I don't believe you to have integrity, that's going to be something that's going to show up. I'm not going to trust you. And, and, and so, you know, does integrity... Does integrity lead to trust? I've got a question that I want to uh, address with you coming in from our, our chat room, our, our, mm -hmm. our instant message here. The comment that is being made, um, and I'm not clear, it's, it's from LJ. Uh, it says, managers throw the employees under the bus to save themselves. So if they do that, what recourse does the employee have? Wow, this is somebody that's really getting what we're talking about, I think, here. Yeah, isn't it? Yes, thank you, LJ. Uh, so it picks on a number of things we've covered, the bosses who are good at managing up, managing down. One of the classics of not managing down would be uh, the extent to which you're prepared to compromise the interests of your own people. The leaders of high integrity, the ones that we most want to talk uh, work for, are the ones who 
protect their group and, and that, that's a, a basic human need of, of the sort of person that we're prepared to put our trust in. Um, and um, yeah, in terms of what, what people can do about it, uh, let's just touch on that briefly because I'd love to keep, I'd come back, I'd love to come back to some factors that, are, that might cause lack of integrity yes. in organisations. But in terms of LJ's uh, question is, it is a personal decision based on the extent to which you might want to take a grievance to a level of manager higher than your immediate boss. And you have to be politically sensitive about that. Again, read the, the cultural setting as to whether in your organisation that's going to be handled professionally and delicately so that you're not victimised as the person who's seen to be escalating your boss. And there right, are some organisations, exactly. frankly, that you would be a martyr to take on that issue. And so you just need um, people who are in that situation just need to... Just, just thoughtfully make that assessment. And I, I say that, you know, with an unfortunate tone in my voice because that's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, honestly, and, and LJ, thank you so much for your, your uh, message. Also, LJ says, yeah, everyone is trying to protect themselves from downsizing or losing their job. And given that, there still are some factors. There still are some things, Andrew, that we can, that we can really be mindful about, Correct. Yeah, that's right. And if we're just sort of using LJ's comments to, 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 to move to these factors of what, what causes people to compromise integrity, um, and, and there's this tension in the organisation where, where we need to comply and conform to a certain extent, and that, that serves us well when we've got 200 or 20,000 people working together, that there needs to be some forms of behaviours which people can quickly read and then comply with otherwise would be absolutely um, confusing to people. But there's a few things that then get in the way of, of integrity and why in some ways people almost go quiet um, in moments which, which have glaring evidence of lack of integrity of people around you. And one of them is, is self-interest, which LJ has uh, gone to, which is uh, people keeping their own jobs. So if there's tensions in the system... The more and more that we're asked to compromise integrity, then, then the more that will drive self-interest, uh, which then can pop up in terms of, of blame, of, of people being critical about others, of, of undermining people behind their backs. That's all to do symptoms of self-interest. The, the second one is about fear. That, um, and, and just an example, I'm aware of an organisation, this happened to be the last recession, where there was one senior executive who, whenever he heard bad news, would, would absolutely horrendously verbally abuse the people, the person who's sharing that with him. And, and what happened was that uh, over a number of months, years, people who were otherwise could have shared information became silent just uh, through, through fear and, and self-protection. So in the end, there was a lack of information flow to this most senior executive who missed out on information that could have save the organisation from a lot of grief as we were heading into the last down cycle. And that, 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 that was, you know, you might say, well, people were lacking integrity by not sharing information they knew, but it was um, that people would trade that off uh, based on fear. And, and the third one is around alliances and politics. We don't want to fall out with our group. Uh, we have certain relationships with others. If we observe things, we might turn a blind eye, consciously or unconsciously, 
because of the reciprocity of relationships we have with certain favoured others. And this is all bubbling along in the complexity of organisations, which can show up as people uh, compromise in their own personal integrity. When we get to, in the light of day, and it might be when our organisation is featured on the front page of the newspaper and our senior executives are being um, questioned uh, by the authorities, it, it comes to light that there's a lot of stuff that we all knew or we ought to have known. And, and it can be mm. explained based on these sorts of dimensions, which then, unfortunately, is, yeah, has involved the, the loss of personal integrity. Yes. Andrew, we're going to talk about this. Boy, what a great show. Andrew O'Keefe, everyone, right here on the Dr. Pat Show. For more information about us, go to drpatlive.com. When we come back, I'm going to read a definition from one of the folks that I got to interview, an employee whose company was filing, uh, what is it, Chapter 11 bankruptcy? And I want to share with you what she said about integrity, along with some of the factors that can help all of us from my very special guest, Andrew O'Keefe. We'll be right back. Introducing the featured re-release of Cat James' grassroots best-selling book, The Truth About Beauty, Transform Your Looks and Your Life from the Inside Out. The Truth About Beauty represents the most comprehensively researched and inspiring body and beauty guide to date. It's been called a masterpiece by New York Magazine's two-time nutritionist of the year, Oz Garcia and a path to personal triumph by former Glamour publisher Suzanne Grimes. The re-released edition of this modern health and beauty classic features 40% new material, including James' long-awaited recipes from her acclaimed Total Transformation programs, plus her living formula for freedom from food obsession, state-of-the-art natural skin, supplement, and anti-aging strategies, and a natural product resource guide called Worth Its Weight in Gold by Marie Claire Magazine. If you're ready to get serious, get the truth about beauty and transform yourself today. Visit informedbeauty.com. Bellagenza Extraordinary Hair Care provides a complete line of natural professional products. Your hair is your number one accessory, so make sure you treat it right with the finest blend of natural food-grade fusion ingredients. Bellagenza provides you with a luxurious experience and high-quality ingredients in a base of aloe and plant juices. Visit Bellagenza.com and receive 10% off when you order online. Just enter Dr. Pat, D-R-P-A-T. That's Bellagenza.com, B-E-L-E-G-E-N-Z-A.com. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self-empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. The future has arrived to your computer. It's called Chat About It, the new interactive Internet radio station where you can hear interesting and compelling talk radio. From business to gardening, golf and real estate, Chat About It has a show for you with no more fighting through static to hear your favorite radio program. Chat About It is compelling, high-quality radio that's just a mouse click away. And Chat About It makes it easy to be a part of the conversation. When it's time to be heard, go to chataboutit.com, bookmark it, and start chatting. That's chataboutit.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. As I said before, 
my, um, you know, the best thing that I can do is introduce you to people like Andrew O'Keefe, my very special guest today. The book is called The Boss. The website is hardwiredhumans.com, hardwiredhumans.com. Today we're talking about the boss, but we're talking about integrity in the workplace. Is integrity dead? And I said I would read something, Andrew. I'm going to read it really quickly, and then I would love for you to comment about it. It's a quote from someone whose company was pretty much on the verge of folding. When I asked the question, please define integrity, here's what she said. We don't cut corners. We don't sell seconds. We don't advertise fraudulently. We're going to do everything above board in compliance with rules and regulations. We will treat each other with respect and high regard, and every interaction should be of that nature. Everything and everyone will be treated in the same way. Address issues immediately and truthfully and honestly. Make sure everything is clearly communicated and clearly demonstrated. Andrew, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? And uh, I was dwelling in particular around the first part. We don't, we don't cut corners and, and we don't conduct ourselves in any fraudulent fashion. Um, and and my, the, 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 the mystery is, in a way, isn't it, that most people, most organisations would sign up for aspirations like that. Um, but then in the end, there's a lot of organisations that, that don't comply uh, with that. And, and, and uh, um, my proposition is that what happens is that it, it's a bit like a snowball. It starts with... Um, with one, uh, one action by a group, a small group or some part of the business that is on the edge. And those people might uh, succeed by testing the boundaries. And then others um, pick up that, that that was quite a resourceful thing to do. They do that and test the boundary one more step uh, by needing to, um, by being heroes in the performance metrics that might be uh, imposed on the organisation. And, and in the end, it can become just a, a cultural dimension, one step at a time, and we end up at the precipice uh, wondering how we got here. And there's so I, many, I there's so many examples from corporate, corporate oh. world or the, the history of the human race uh, where we look back and say, how, how did we as a group ever get into this situation? That is such an interesting question, and perhaps we'll do another show on that, because, uh, you know, I think some people can point to very specific circumstances that sort of opened up Pandora's box. I was reading um, an article that was written, and, and I decided to, you know, start a blog called Downsizing Pandora's Box. And, you know, we use that term a lot right now, but if you go back to the original or one of the first downsizes by Exxon and especially going to the early 90s, it opened up a Pandora's box that let, you know, the ugly face of mistrust out. How do we recover from that, Andrew? Yeah, and um, that, that we, we recover by, by uh, each, each organization, it, it, it can partly be, uh, you know, by regulation or, or social contracts at the most senior level. Um, but I, I think the most realistic, the most practical is each organisation deciding um, for, for themselves what's the most uh, productive uh, uh, approach or answer for them on these sorts of questions. And, 
And for those organisations who want to be around for, for years to come, who want to have a sustained business delivering their services, then, um, then, then it needs to be at, at that level that says so this, is, this is the way we're going to operate. And, and when we do observe exceptions uh, from individuals in our organisation, we will address that um, so that it becomes really clear in our culture that we're not the sort of organisation who's going to conduct ourselves in an inappropriate way or fraudulent ways or let our customers down. Um, and it just needs to be a, a conscious decision based on this sustainable uh, dimension for organisations. Um, and I think the, the sub-aspect of that is that leaders need to feel an obligation to their to the community that they're serving, being their, their staff and the managers in their organisation, and to leave a legacy that the organisation will continue in a better shape than what they took it over and that they pass it to the next generation, uh, having improved the organisation based on when it was handed to them. And, and the best organisations, those that have been around for many years, in some cases now centuries, that the leaders uh, have this legacy attitude and an obligation to, to people who follow them. You know, Andrew, I, I'm so, I so honor the work that you're doing because you're having a bold conversation. And it is a bold conversation because someone in your position and, you know, being a spokesperson for, for true organizational excellence, it, it's, you don't always get invited in, Andrew. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, it's like, hey, wait a minute, we need a speaker. Let's call Andrew O'Keefe to talk about bad bosses. But it needs to be talked about. Yeah, it does. And I think it's a personal journey. My, my hope is that individual bosses um, decide that for even just for their own life journey, it's better off having a positive impact on others because that, that, that is the most energizing and, and um, organically positive way for you to live your own life. And, you know, honestly, good people can't stand to be bad bosses. They really can't. Yeah, they're, that's they're right. They're getting and for, sick and over the, it. For the, for the poorer bosses who can learn and adapt to be better bosses, it's a wonderful life journey for them as well. And, you know, part of this kind of wraps around as, you know, we bring this conversation to an end. Andrew, I want to thank you for joining us here today. You and I could talk for hours about this. This is such an important topic what would you like to say to our listeners tonight? What would be your personal message? And please give out your website again. Yeah, so personal message is for, for individuals, uh, staff members who are having a difficult experience with their, their boss or their organisation, it's most often related to their boss, is, is to make a, 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 a quiet assessment of, of what do you need to do uh, to create the environment where where you can get from work the energising experience that you want because it's just not sapping your energy at work but life outside of work. And, and then for, for bosses, uh, the hope is that, uh, that they can adopt some of these better practices which are available to them if they have a, a curiosity to learn. And then for organisations is to implement the systems which, in, which ensure that the leadership capability in your organization is enhanced. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. What a great show. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. As I said before, if you want to find out more about the Dr. Pat Show, 
check us out, www.thedrpatshow.com. And, Andrew, thank you so much for being Thank you for the invitation to participate in the conversation and a topic that I know is uh, very close to your heart. Well, it's very close to my heart. And thank you for being the spokesperson for so many people. It's amazing. And I want to leave everyone with a couple of, uh, a couple of comments. The first comment that I want to leave you with is you can bring the hero back. You can be the hero. And, and I mean that there are heroes every day in organizations. You know, whether it's, you know, that amazing hot dog vendor on the corner that takes such perfection in handing you your lunch or whether it's the employee in human resources that decides to stand up for something he or she believes in. This is really a time of courage. And Independence Day is upon us. But independence is an inside job. It starts within. So I really call on all of you to seek within yourself the courage to stand up for what you believe in and to stop taking whatever level of abuse you believe you're taking. Why? It's because your organization and this country needs us to be the best that we can be. And I want to thank all of you for, for doing that, for being the best, for joining us, for joining us in the conversation. I want to thank Andrew O'Keefe, as I said before, to taking a pretty tough conversation out into a very public place. Until next time, everyone, remember you have everything you need to be the best you can and live life full out. Let's go do it together. See you next time. Oh, someday.